0: Good morning and welcome to the church at Three Trails again. I'm Pastor Brian and uh, we're so glad you joined us online. Last week, we discovered that life is full of hard knocks uh, that test our faith and that develop perseverance leading to maturity. And as we've jumped into the book of James, I just want to encourage you to join us where you're at. You can flip in your Bible or or on your online device uh, and, and go to the book of James. We're going to be doing James chapter 1, starting in verse 12. We're going to go through verse 18. But as we learn, last week, or discovered about life and how life is full of hard knocks that test our faith and develop perseverance that leads to maturity, uh, I want you to understand this, that when you enter a trial or trials, that you ought to count it joy. That's what we looked at last week. Consider it joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials. In other words, it's not uh, an if, but rather a win. But I want you to think about this, that when we enter those trials... Um, We have to count it joy, not because you like what's happening, uh, but because you know why it's happening. Matter of fact, that God is developing spiritual maturity inside of me, in my faith, so that I can grow and become everything that God created me to be. So when you encounter trials, I want you to think about it like this. When I encounter trials, when my life falls apart, then that means that God is up to something Inside of me to grow me, to mature me in the faith that he is developing. See, I believe this wholeheartedly, that if you miss uh, this, if you miss that key idea that God wants to mature uh, in me or mature me in the trials, if you miss this, then I believe wholeheartedly that we have what's going on in a lot of people's lives. We become bitter, we become angry, we become resentful with people, and even to a certain extent, we become resentful with God. And rather than saying, Lord, show me how you want to, to grow me, We look back and go, God, I can't follow you because look at what you're doing to me. See, the reality is that trials develop our maturity. So listen, if you miss that point of going through those trials with joy, you have to understand that because as we jump into this next text, this next portion of James, you're going to understand why we need to go through these trials with joy. Because when we jump into this next point that James wants us to know, we have to understand that if you fail the test... The testing that's going on while you're working through these trials, if you fail the test, you're going to retake it. It's just—it's a matter of if and when, and the reality is you continue to fail, you continue to fight, you continue to look and go against what God wants to do. If you fail that test, you're going to retake it. And listen, God can hold on a lot longer than you can. And so I want to encourage you, flip to James chapter 1. I'm going to read these verses uh, very uh, specifically here, verses 12 through 18, and we're going to jump in uh, and answer uh, this idea. I want you to understand that today we're going to be dealing with the price of temptation. So James chapter 1, starting at verse 12, says this, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted, get this, each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. Verse 16 says this, do not be deceived, my dear brothers, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. Listen, here's what I want you to understand as we jump into this, that temptation and trials in the book of James and and right here, what we have to understand is that temptation and trials is the same word used in two separate and unique ways. See, one trial, the verse two trial, where it talks about trials, uh, one of them is used in a positive way. So I consider it joy whenever I face trials. All right. But then the same word is used. In a different way, with a different context, in a negative way. And that word is where we get the word temptation. It's where we we jump into this text. And so what we begin to understand is these two words, one used in a positive way, and at the same time, the other used in a negative way, becomes the very essence of what James is trying to communicate to us here. And so I want you to remember this. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this. Today's big idea is this. Our evil desires lead us to temptations that when fulfilled lead to sin and death, but good things come from God. See, our evil desires lead us to temptations that when fulfilled lead us to sin and death, but good things come from from God. So I want you to see, we're going to jump in. I want to show you four things today that we're going to look at, and then I want to give you some application at the end. The first thing I want you to see is this, that there is a reward, the reward for persevering under trial. Listen to what he says in verse 12 again, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. See, here's the idea, that according to scripture... Alright, according to this idea, what we see in scripture, that the scriptures always says this, that the way up is the way down. And in the midst of our trials, in the midst of the struggles and the difficulties we face, in the midst of the tests that we go through, that God wants to develop some humility in us. As a matter of fact, in verses 9 through 12, it talks about this, that a a humble brother is one who is growing, that we take response or we respond with great joy over the humble circumstances we're in. And a rich man should take joy in his low position. See, what we have to understand is that there's a reward for persevering under trial. And part of that reward is God developing humility. But I want you to also understand that part of the reward and in, in the, the ultimate reward is what we see in verse 12. See, while humility can potentially exist apart from genuine faith in Jesus, genuine faith always bears genuine humility. And So I, I want you to think about this. The reward for persevering under trial, number one is God is maturing you to develop humility. But number two, in that aspect, the reward for persevering under trial is this, that you receive a crown of life or the crown of life is what he says. You will receive the crown of life. Listen, it's always important for us to understand that when we respond properly to the trials that God is developing in us, he's maturing us, he's strengthening our faith, he's developing that perseverance so that when trials come, we can understand that the goodness of God will see us through those trials, that God's grace will lead us in the ways when we face the deepest struggles and the darkest temptations, that God's grace will lead us through those storms of life that goes on. And so what we begin to see is that when we respond properly to trials and we pass the test, you receive the blessing that goes along with passing the exam. When, when God puts you to the test in these situations with these trials and stuff, he's developing a maturity. And as that maturity rises up, as you grow in your Christian faith, as you grow as a believer, then the reality is that you're working towards a bigger goal. And that goal is to receive the crown of life. And so Paul, or sorry, James unpacks that here in this text for us to understand. And he's laying this out, this truth, to remember, keep in mind, these Christians who had been scattered as a result of the persecution, Persecution that rose up in Acts chapter seven and Acts chapter eight. So listen, our evil desires may lead us into temptations that, when fulfilled, lead to sin and death. But good things come from God, and that good thing that we can kind of start off with is the promised hope in the crown of life, that we have an eternal life reserved and saved up for us in heaven, that when we get crowned as victors, it's not based upon the victory of what we've done, but it's based upon the victory of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, his death on the cross for the sins of mankind, his burial that to, to show he was dead, and his resurrection that offers us life and life more abundantly. So the first thing I want you to see is the reward for, the, for persevering under trial. The second thing I want you to see here, and I think this is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time, is this idea of temptation. So number two is this, the substance of temptation. It's where do we get this? Where, where, what is substance about? What is temptation about? Listen to what he says in verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me. So here's what's important to understand. The various trials, or tests we face can produce spiritual maturity and lead to God's reward if endured in faith. But tests can also have a harmful effect if they're met with the wrong attitude. And here's what I want to kind of explain to you and explain most of the time when we run into a test or a difficulty or a struggle that God is trying to mature us, most of the times we either run, want to run away to get out of the test, to not deal with the test. A matter of fact, we may even say, you know what, I'm not going to deal with it. I don't want to take it. The problem with that is, when we approach it with the wrong attitude, then God isn't able to work his full work out. As a matter of fact, if you'll remember back, it talks about how through the persevering and stuff, that God wants to, to develop maturity so that we won't be lacking anything. Most of us lack patience and perseverance because we want to run from the tests that we face. See, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. See, if we don't learn in the first 10 or 12 verses in James chapter 1, if we don't learn verses 2 through 12, then we're going to inevitably jump into verse 13 saying, God, why are you doing this to me? Matter of fact, a lot of times that's what people say. God, why are you dealing this hand that you've dealt to me? God, what did I ever do to you to deserve this treatment or this trial that I'm going through? Then, listen to me, you will be tempted. When you go into that trial or that struggle with that kind of attitude, with when you go into temptation with the kind of attitude, then you will be tempted to sin, and you will blame God. As a matter of fact, think about it this way. Temptation is Satan's attempt to produce evil in your life. And the test may be a trial, but your decision to cheat is a sin. And so what we begin to understand is this, that in the test or in the trial, I have two responses I can go. I can blame God, and I can cast all the blame uh, on Him, or I can look at the trial, I can grow through the trial, I can let God mature me through the trial, and I can say, God, what do you want to do in me and through me as a result of this trial? Listen, The substance of temptation is huge because temptation is an overwhelming thing. Everybody deals with it. Matter of fact, God, I believe here, wants to distinguish between the trial that is to grow you and the temptation that is set up to destroy you. So he talks about the positive aspects of the trial that is meant to grow you, and he talks about the negative aspects of the temptation that is meant to destroy you. And so what we see again is this. He says, when tempted, just as we go through trials and and it says, whenever you face trials, I want to think about here where he says, when tempted, you are going to be tempted. It's not a matter of if, but a matter of when. And he says this very clearly, when tempted. Temptation in reality is something that we oftentimes look, see, temptation isn't the bad thing. It's the following through or fulfilling the temptation that becomes the problem. And so we talked about this whole idea of the substance of temptation, but I wanna challenge you with this. This is number three. So we said number one is the reward for persevering under trial. Number two is the substance of temptation. Number three is this, there is a source of temptation. Matter of fact, as we jump in and see what he says, listen to what he says in verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone." So the first thing we have to begin to understand is the source of temptation is that when we as believers face tests, we may begin to incorrectly think that God is tempting us. When the reality is based upon scripture, it says that God is not the one. God, no one should say God is tempting for God cannot be tempted by evil. So one of the biggest struggles we face when we are tempted is to blame God for the temptation. You know, I I think of all kinds of things, but it's this whole idea that that Satan is in, you know, maybe it's the Looney Tunes back in the day with the angel and the demon, and the demons always whispering in your ear what you shouldn't do or what you should do, and the angel is always telling you what you should do when the reality is, we have to understand that we can't blame God for the temptations we face. Keep in mind that temptations aren't the bad thing. We've all faced these temptations. It's giving into the temptations that leads to sin. And so if you're sinning, you can't blame God. You don't blame God. As a matter of fact, God can't be tempted by evil, and God doesn't have a bit of evil or temptation in him. So we begin to see what's going on. You have to understand this priority. See, God does test his people by bringing them into situations where their willingness to obey is tested. We see that all throughout scripture. We see that in the Old Testament, we see that in the New Testament that God tests his people by bringing them or allowing them to go into situations where their obedience is tested. See God tested Abraham when offering up Isaac as a sacrifice. And Abraham was obedient. And God relented and God's grace was there and God's love and mercy was there. The temptation could have been, God, I love this son more than anything else. Or I want you to think about this. He tested Israel in the wilderness. And in the midst of their being tested in the wilderness before being led into the promised land, they gave in to sin. And as a result of their sin, because of the temptation of power and not trusting God, as a result of their sin, they wandered now in the wilderness for over 40 years. See, the simple fact is this, that God does test his people. And while he does test his people by bringing them into situations where their their willingness to obey is tested, that God always provides a way for us to walk in obedience. That God always desires for us to walk in obedience. Remember, God wants to distinguish between the trial that is to grow you and the temptation that is set up to destroy you. And you have to keep that in mind. See, if God was to sin, then everything he holds together would fall apart. As a matter of fact, it's one of those things we talk about where he's saying, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Why? Because God cannot be tempted by evil. Now, some people are going to say, well, what about scripture where Jesus was tempted? The reality was Jesus may have been tempted by Satan. But listen to me. And you have to know this wholeheartedly, that there is in no way, shape, or form because Jesus was 100% God, 100% man that he would have ever given into or catered to the temptation. It wasn't a thought in his mind. There wasn't an issue, a struggle, or a difficulty that he faced where he said, I'm going to give up on this aspect. So listen to what he says. No one should say God has tempted me for God cannot be tempted by evil. And then he says this, nor does he tempt anyone. This is important for us to understand that when God is is dealing with us, that when we run into a temptation, that we have to understand that those temptations don't come from God. That God wants nothing but good for us. See, if God was to sin, I said this earlier, then everything that he holds together would fall apart. He's the creator of the universe, the sun, the moon, the stars. He spoke everything into existence. He created us. He formed and he fashioned us. But if God was the sin, then because of his goodness, keep in mind that he created everything that was good, good, good. And then under man, it was very good. But because of his goodness that holds everything together, there is no evil in him. There's no sin in him. There's nothing in God that can receive or be in the presence of sin. So therefore, there is nothing from God that can force or cause us to sin. It's important to dig in and understand that. This is huge doctrinal significance when we talk about the goodness of God. While God may test his servants to strengthen their faith, he never seeks to induce our sin and destroy our faith. He wants to test our faith to grow our faith. But he never seeks out to induce us to sin and destroy our faith. Why? Because he's good. He's loving. He's gracious. He's merciful. But listen, Satan does seek to take the trials of God meant to grow us and to turn them into the temptations that Satan allows to destroy us. It's important for us to see that. That temptation is the evil in our heart attempting to lead us away from maturity into immaturity. Again, keep in mind, look at verse 14 now, what he says, each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. See, there's this whole idea, and I want to jump into number four as a result of this. It's called the process of temptation the truth of the matter is that sin doesn't just happen. It's a process. It's a downward spiral. There are steps that kind of take place. Desire leads to deception that leads to disobedience that leads to death. So listen to what he says. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. So it's this idea the desire isn't bad in and of itself. Desire becomes bad when we seek to satisfy it in an illegitimate Way, as a matter of fact, this this, this kind of comes into play. This last Monday was opening day turkey season. I took my son out turkey hunting, but in the midst of turkey hunting, we didn't see anything, so we decided to go fishing um, in the afternoon. And as we went fishing, you know how fishing works—you got a lure, and on that lure, you've got a hook. Or as I grew up in Wyoming, we would take worms and you would thread it on the hook. And the whole idea is that you entice the fish to go after what they think they want, the food they desire. But in the midst of that, what they do is when they go after the food they desire, they get hooked, they get destroyed, they get captured because of the deception or the the, the deception as a result of that, and because of that deception, they are now led to death. That's a great thing. I love to go fishing, but the desire, listen, isn't bad in and of itself. But desire becomes bad when we seek to satisfy the desire in an illegitimate way. See, this whole idea of being a tice literally means to catch by bait or to be drawn away or lured just as a worm deceived a fish to ignore the hook, Satan wants to deceive us to ignore the, ignore the pain and the consequences of the results of giving in to the temptation. The results of the deception. See, fish don't go looking to get caught. I've never once, if I'm out on a boat or fishing on shore, had a fish pop up out of the water and be like, hey, catch me, I want to get caught. Not a single time. Fish don't have desire to be caught. That's why when they get hooked, that's why they put up a huge fight. They don't like what's going on. They're hooked in their mouth. They're like, I don't want this. This is painful. I'm out of here. And a lot of times that's what happens in our life. See, what happens is we have this temptation. Maybe we're just like a fish. We're hanging out in the, in the grass down below. We're sitting back. But man, when there's something we really desire. Maybe there's some food. Maybe there are some things, money. Maybe there's a, a sexual object in another, a, another woman or, or a guy that we're looking at. And we, we say, man, those are things that entice me. Maybe it's power. Maybe it's things like that. And in the midst of that, that, that hook is being drugged by, that lure is being drugged by to entice us to come out of the safety and the protection of the grass or the safety and protection of God. And we go after that hook. And when we are hooked, that's when it leads to death. See, this whole idea played out as literally what he says, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. See, fish don't go looking to get caught no more than we want to go looking to give into temptation. We're hungry, we're, 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 we're thirsty for something, we want more of something, and when the fish sees the lure, it gets more than it expected, and a lot of times what happens is when we see something, we get more than we expected. There are consequences and results and even death because of the decisions we made to give in to the temptation we face. See, Satan deceptively baits the hook with the desire, and then we get hooked. We were baited into a disobedient decision that leads to death. So going back to what I said, very clearly, desire leads to deception. Satan uses it to deceive us. We desire something, Satan uses something to deceive us. In that deceiving, it leads into disobedience when we follow it, and that disobedience leads to death. That's the process, the downward spiral. This is what he says as he finishes up in verse 15. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. See, the reality is this, that when you're pregnant, you're pregnant. You may be able to hide it at a star, but at some point, the baby's going to show. And likewise, when I give in, when, I'm, when, I, when, when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to death. And so at some point, because of the temptations I face and I chase after and I go after those, at some point, I'm going to face death Matter of fact, I've heard it said this way in numerous situations and settings that lust is a God-given desire that's gone haywire. This whole idea of deception or, or deceiving or desirous is after desire is conceived, is this idea of lusting. And I said this, lust is a God-given desire that's gone haywire. See, desires might be lust, they might be power, they might be money, they might be sex, they might be material possessions. The objects of lust are huge, but objects we attach are distorted desires to deceive us from the dangers of our obsessions. See, the objects we attach our distorted desires to deceive us from the dangers of our obsessions. And so a lot of times we look at what we may think is good, and reality is just a deception. And so here's how I want to wrap up. I want to give you this application. I think it's very simple, that temptations, when fulfilled, come from the evil inside of me. The temptations, when fulfilled, in other words, when I follow through with the temptations, come from the evil inside me. And listen, they show me even more why I need the goodness of God to rescue me from my destructive decisions. Over and over and over again, I see it in people's lives consistently, destructive decision after destructive decision after destructive decision. Listen to what he says in verse 16. Don't be deceived. We're just talking about that. My dear brothers, because listen, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So here's what we have to remember. We must remember God's character as we go through this testing, as we go through his testing, as well as when we face temptations. We remember the goodness of God. We remember the grace of God. Listen, every good and perfect gift is from above. That plays this out, that God is good, that everything God gives is good. If it is not good, it is not from God. Everything God gives is good because God is good. And you have to keep that in mind. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. If it's bad, it's not of God. Every good gift comes from the Father. And here's how I want to kind of wrap up with this. We have to keep in mind Romans chapter 6. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. The greatest gift ever was a relationship with Jesus Christ because Jesus' death on the cross, his burial and resurrection, brought, bought us, redeemed us, purchased us from the sinful life so that we don't have to run headlong into the desires and the temptations that we face, but we can run as we turn to the Lord, as we turn to Jesus as our Savior, as we turn to his goodness we can run and understand that the good gifts come from God. The bad gifts come from Satan. This whole idea and desire is to destroy you. So I go back to the very thing where we, where we talked about this. See, temptation is Satan's attempt to produce evil in your life. God wants to use the test to mature you, while Satan wants to use the temptations to destroy you. See, the temptation right now you may be facing is this. Do I believe that God is? has good for me because he does. But the temptation may be to say, I can't believe it. There's no way a good God would send somebody to hell. When the reality is, listen, the desire to go to hell comes from you because you choose not to believe. The desire to deny Jesus, to deny the goodness of God, to deny the grace of God, is the decision or the temptation that is leading you down a destructive path. So, the truth of the matter is this, that God wants to work in a great way. Because listen, all of us face temptations, all of us face struggles, all of us face difficulties, All of us are going to face the trials. God wants to use the trials to mature you, to help you grow. And he wants to make sure that we can stand against the temptations that are meant to destroy you.